Before we get to the word again, let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word with a moment of prayer. Our God and Heavenly Father, we need your Spirit's help so that we receive your word as we should and and so that your word might be at the focal point of, and your glory might be at the focal point of what's being presented. Uh, We're praying, Lord, that we would find ourselves in our lives following in the, the wisdom of our God and our Savior, and that we would be servants of the Lord and not servants, bond servants of men, as the passage reminds us. We pray that you would grant us your blessing then on your word by way of your spirit for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of your glory. We pray that you'd hear us in Christ's name. Amen. We're picking up again our reading out of 1 Corinthians tonight, and that's going to mean chapter 7, starting with verse 17 and reading to verse 24 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. So we pick up the word of the Lord there, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Paul pens these words. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So we thank the Lord for this portion of his word and may it be of a blessing to us today. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, maybe sometimes if your parents, you might have had with your children, you've, you've chat with, chatted with them to use their imaginations a little bit, and you talk to them about uh, maybe a, a kind of a game that you could play of what if. Uh, sometimes that can be kind of a fun exercise, interesting, fascinating exercise. Sometimes it can be rather serious. You know, what if I would have grown up a hundred years ago? What would that have been like? Or what if I was born and raised in Australia rather than in the United States? Uh, what if I would have been born into a famous family? Sometimes, like I say, it could be serious, too. Hey, boys and girls, what if I would have studied harder for that test? Or what if I had said the right thing instead of the wrong thing? 
and you can't take back what you said. What if I had not said anything at all? And now look at the mess I'm in. We can't change the past. Today is where God has wondrously put us to do what he wants us to do in Jesus Christ. And we can trust that Jesus today, that very same Jesus today, and we can do what he wants today. This morning we talked a little bit about that too, about today is the day to heed what the Lord has to say. And we hear that really tonight as well. God tells us in our passage that we have to be careful and we don't live in the past, but to remember to live out today, which is what we have. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't anticipate tomorrow. Sometimes we have to make sure that we're not living in yesterday's time either, because it's today that he's given us to live for him in Jesus and for, for our Savior's sake. For all of us, congregation, it, it's not a hard thing to ask yourself the question at times as you look back in your lives, uh, what should I do, what would, what would I do if I had a chance to live my life over again? Have you ever played what if, or if only I had? What if I had different parents? What if I had decided to live somewhere else? What if I had chosen to be a, a policeman rather than a banker or whatever it is that you've occupied your time with in your calling? What if I had gotten married? What if? Or maybe you just play if only. If only I had been quicker. If only this would not have occurred. If only I had a second chance. If only I had known then what I know now. What might have been? Of course, if we get too deep into these games, uh, regrets can fill our minds so deeply in turn that uh, it, it keeps us from being of any use to the Lord for the moment. In fact, we can be tempted to think that we can't be of any use to the Lord in the present because all we can think about is the past. But what the church was doing uh, was looking back and, and with that same kind of an attitude. Some of the Corinthians, anyway, had taken that kind of attitude. Now, of look of just kind of living in the past. Now, there's benefits, of course, in, in looking back on life and history. Uh, we don't want to be like those who forget about history. Our, our faith is based on the history of God's saving works, after all. We can learn from our mistakes and our sins, and we need to take advantage of that by God's grace. And we can see how, how the Lord has been faithful to us in times past. We sing that. We, we heard that played a moment ago. Oh, God, our help in ages past. We remember the past beneficially that way. We can review the history of redemption, and we see how the Lord has done marvelous things, and it's marvelous in our eyes. But what the church was doing in Corinth was, was looking back and saying, well, if only I wasn't married. Well, then I could serve the Lord just like he would want me to serve him. Or some were looking at who they were and, 
and say, you know, I wish I could make a complete break from my Jewish roots now that I'm a Christian. And others were saying that if only I was a Jew like those Jewish Christians, well, then I would really be able to be everything that the Lord wants me to be. They were playing, what if, if only. And they were using their eyes and looking across the fence and seeing that the grass, at least in their estimation, was greener over there than it was where they were. Looking back indeed can be helpful, but not when you dwell on looking back on things you cannot change. Nor is it helpful to try to be things that you cannot be, because when we act like that, we lose contentment and the peace that we're to find in the Lord. We fail to to see how the Lord can use us just as we are and when and where he puts us. In our passage, we're told what the Lord wants us to see spiritually in our circumstance. He wants us to see uh, his will. He wants us to see his call to serve him. And he wants us to see his presence. And the more that we do, the more peaceful be in our marriages, or whatever situation in which we may find ourselves. So we look, first of all, at how he wants us to see his will in our circumstances. Evidently, the church of Corinth said those people who were saying, you know, and given the context of what we've been looking at, man, I, you know, I got married before I was converted, and, and now I, I cannot serve the Lord like I would like. Perhaps it was much more complicated than that, of course. Maybe there were those who had been married often who previously, and now they were supposed to do, you know, what were they supposed to do now? Now that they've become Christians. Uh, break those ties with those with whom they were newly married. Others seem to have a notion that now that they were converted, that they, they should change their jobs or, or do something a, a bit more significant. Others wished that they could be Jews, and others wanted to be Gentiles. Uh, So they needed to do something cosmetically to to change, either from circumcision to uncircumcision somehow, or the other way around. Some were in more oppressive states than others. Some, we would say, would be in more enviable states than others. And we see all of that going on in this path, or the context of it. And when we think deeply about our, our present circumstances, there are tremendously many things that have brought us to this point in time. Good decisions, bad decisions, sin and righteousness, the acts of other people, different acts in creation have affected us. And here we are. And some would call it luck, and some would call it happenstance and coincidence or fate. And some would call it impersonal destiny or simply accidental. It just happened to be like that. The mystery of our circumstance is that wherever we are and however we got there, we're still there because 
That's where God in His providence has placed us. In His inscrutable ways. And we're there then because of God's will. God's sovereignty. Not because of luck or, or chance or, or accident. And that makes all the difference when we're considering what we call, quote unquote, our lot in life. It isn't just a roll of the dice that we are where we are and that we're in the circumstance in which we are. And what's the basic principle here then? Well, it goes back even to what we heard in verse 15. It is as Paul said earlier there, God has called you to peace. He's called us to contentment. He's called us not necessarily to try to change something from your past that you cannot change, but rather to live today in the new life that the Lord has called you in Christ your Savior. Live today. That new life is a result of a change of heart, but not necessarily a change to every social and ethnic and material and vocational situation in which you find yourself. Now, what does that mean for the new convert who had been married for the third time, let's say? Well, God isn't calling for chaos in his life. Break up this marriage and go back to the first wife. No, he's called for peace. There's a different person here with a, a new start. It's time to look forward. Does this mean he has no responsibility to seek forgiveness in the past where there's a need of that? Well, of course not. But it, it's time to look ahead into a fresh start that the Lord brings to one's life when he's called us to that new life in Christ. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule in all the churches. Not for chaos, but for peace. What does that mean to the person who thinks he has to give up his marriage and become single, as that was some people's ideas as well? Give up that idea. Because the Lord has called you while you're married to serve him as one married. Don't change that status just because God has changed your heart in Jesus Christ. What does that mean for the Gentile that evidently wanted to become Jewish? Well, God didn't call him to be Jewish. He called them to be a Christian who's a Gentile. And for what matters, because uh, it, it, what matters is what has happened to one's heart spiritually, not what has happened physically or externally. You know, again, we, we see that in verse 19, right? Neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision but keeping the commands of God. And we'll get to that a little bit more in a moment. But it's similar to what, what we hear, you know, the Apostle Paul saying in Galatians uh, 5 and, and Galatians 6, just to, just to reiterate this, in Galatians 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Chapter 6, verse 15, we get reminded of this again, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's the change that matters. And as for all who walk by this rule, look what it says, peace right, and mercy 
be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So what does that all mean for the, the laborer who's in his calling? Does that mean it, he should uh, do something else for the Lord now as, as a new believer? Not necessarily. Maybe later, perhaps, there might be that opportunity. But right now, he is where the Lord wants him to serve. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. There's a change that's occurred in people's lives, but there's also a, a, a calling here not to be drastic uh, and, and to realize that where you are, as God has so assigned you, as God has so called you, uh, in accordance with God's will, this is where you can serve and you can serve him well. That's important. Not necessarily a change of vocation, but serving Lord wherever it is that he's called you. What about people who are slaves? Well, we hear that about that too here. And here you might say, well, is this where God wants that person? Well, remarkably, we read for now, were you a slave when called? Don't be concerned about it. But if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who called was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called as a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. And people would say, well, how can you say that? Slavery is not right. Yes, but even if it's wrong, even if it's wrong, slavery cannot keep us from doing what the Lord wants us to be doing. It may not be the greatest circumstance at all. But the most more important point, which gets us into our second point too, is that even the poorest of circumstances cannot overcome the calling and the privilege that we have in serving the Lord and the fact that the Lord is in the midst of the circumstance. Maybe you'll be able to change your slavery. But if you cannot, that doesn't mean that God and his purposes for you cannot use you there because that's where he puts you. What man means for evil, God will mean for good. I had a conversation with somebody about that this morning after church too, and we were talking about how remarkably in certain ways that, that God is, you know, he uses the evils of people and yet uses them for his purposes. And you, that you could see that in certain circumstances very evidently, not just in back in the days of biblical times, but for ours as, as well. What what man means for evil, God will mean for good. And we have to be able to see that in the situations where we find ourselves. It's a challenge for us, but it's something that we got to recognize that as we look at our circumstances, we're not there accidentally. We're there by the sovereignty of God. And there are other objections, of course, to this council. We live in a world that is godless. It's concerned that fairness be seen in minute detail. Everybody should have the same number of joys and the same number of sorrows, and everybody should be equal with everybody. And when that isn't so, we should be in uproar, and we, we need to force changes. Right? Now, we're not called to turn a blind eye to injustice. We just read a psalm and sang that psalm in Psalm 82 about that. But the Bible doesn't 
tells us that not everybody's going to have the same amount of everything there is to have in life. You or I are not necessarily going to have the same amount of problems or sorrows or, or joys, for that matter, that others have. We all have some problems as Christians, but we don't all have the same. And we don't all have the same intensity of problems. And we may be able to change some things if opportunity arises. We're not supposed to be fatalistic or start believing in some kind of caste system where, where nothing changes and we can't improve ourselves. If a slave can be free, let him be free. But the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to become slaves of man's philosophies of discontent and complaint because God has called us to peace. You were bought, belonged to, and are slaves of Christ, which is to make a, a, a remarkable impact on our lives. And when we belong then to the Lord and are guided by God's providence, our inequalities and our situations in general do not and cannot keep us from serving our Savior and Lord, which is the most important thing of all. Our focus needs to be that we are where we are because of the will of God. We can't lose sight of that. We need to see our circumstances that not only is God's will, but also a call to God's servants. Paul puts it this way. What counts, what counts is keeping the commandments of God. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but keeping the commandments of God. That's what matters. And in our sin, we don't like that counsel. When we look at our situation many times, we don't see it as, as a God-given opportunity to serve him well. In fact, a lot of times when the circumcision is adverse, we want to see it and our flesh wants to see it as a reason to disobey God. And that way we'd rather be slaves of men who spend their time complaining and moping and griping and worrying and fretting when God has called us to peace in the circumstance. This is, this is when we spend our time in the middle of what if, or if only, and the grass is greener. You know, what if I would have done a better job doing this or that? What if I had been more righteous? What if I, if this would have happened or that would have happened? What if the ball had bounced this way instead of that way? If I only had not gone out that night, if only I would have worked harder, if only I had never done that, why do these things happen to me? And why do they always happen to me for that matter? These things never happen to him. Why are they always better off? Why couldn't I have grown up in that family? Why didn't I go to that school? I wish we could go back to the way it used to be. I wish we were rich. I wish I was grown up. Wish I was white or black or whatever color. 
And where does that attitude get us? Envy, jealousy, bitterness, spiritual paralysis, malice, vengeance, laziness, rebellion, chaos, stinginess, greed, living in this self-concocted, self-made world of irresponsibility before God. But you know what Paul says. Never mind what you cannot change. In fact, even if you can change some of these things, that's not the most important thing. It's not. The most important thing is not what you can change, but the commandments of the Lord. That's what matters. We need to be more concerned about how we can obey God in our circumstances than we are in changing them. It goes back to really what even the Apostle Peter ran into with the Apostle John when John, Jesus told the Apostle Peter <coughs> of the kind of death that he would die. And then he asks about the Apostle John and he said, well, what about him? And Jesus says, well, if I let him live until I come back, what is that to you? Follow me. It's like, don't worry about that person. Don't worry, you're not like that person. That wasn't that, and then John says, well, it's not that I was going to live until Jesus comes back. That wasn't the point. The point was, never mind about how God decides to deal with that person. What's your calling? What's your calling? What's my calling? My calling is, in my circumstance, I'm called to follow the Lord. That's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what matters. The Lord is Lord over the circumstance. The circumstance is not Lord over the Lord. And that's not only comforting, but also a call to obedience. Because if he's Lord of the circumstance, then he's Lord over us who are part of the circumstance for Jesus' sake. You don't belong to the circumstance. You're not a slave to the circumstance. You belong to Christ. So serve the Lord. That's, that's what the apostle says. Don't, don't play the what if game. Don't play the if only game. What if is not what is. That's the reality. You know, people want to be real about things. Well, the way we, we are real about things is, is not by living in the what if world, but living in the what is world. What is, is that you're called to obey God now. Not to change what cannot be changed from the past. And in case you think that in Christ God just dumps on you, demands from you and says, here I put you there, obey me and walks away. Paul reminds us at the end of this passage that that isn't true at all. God is not in the business of issuing unfunded spiritual mandates where he tells you to do something and then doesn't promise in Christ the ability to do it. He not only places us in the situation, he not only calls us to obey him in it, but he also promises us to help us to shoulder it in Christ. How else could it be done? The passage concludes in verse 24. So, brothers, 
In whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. That's not just that's just as vital to us as, as, as we look at the circumstance. Not just that it's God's will that we're there, not only that God is calling us to obedience in it, but also to have the spiritual eyes of faith open to see that the Lord's in the middle of the circumstance. He's with you. And if he's in the midst, we know that for Jesus' sake, he's not going to leave us unprotected and defeated. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And that's the encouragement that we receive from others who have been through hardships or who are going through that. Most of the times I've told many people that over the years, and, and, and you've probably seen it too. You go to visit somebody in the midst of their hardship, and you want to go there to encourage them, and that's nice. And then you come away being encouraged by them in their weakness because of how God has been at work in them in the midst of their hardship. And you come away and just go, boy, could I ever learn a lesson from this? Where this person is in a bad state, but look at how they're handling it. God has been good to them. And I come away being more encouraged than any encouragement that I can you know, give to some people in that case. And you've probably had that same, that same experience. They testify in Christ that God has been in the midst of everything they're enduring. And if we don't remember that, we're, in, we're lesser for it. They reflect the biblical tr truth of, of God's covenant faithfulness to his people, centered in his son, who knew what it was to endure who endured the cross for the, the sin of his people, now seated at the right hand of God, and for the sake of Christ, we're called to believe that when God promises his presence in his word, he'll be true to that promise. The circumstance can be painful and sorrowful and impoverishing, but the peace that passes all understanding is that it's never it's never without the Lord. Now, we may have regrets in line. But when we have come to know that we belong to our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, there's, there's never regret in viewing our circumstance where we are right now as something that God has planned, where God has called us to obedience. And just as importantly, a circumstance where God is there. May that view in Christ help us in the midst of our circumstances. Because God's called us to peace. And when we can look at these circumstances that way, God's will, with God's obedience, obedience to God, and, and to believe that God is there in the midst, that'll help us as we look ahead to whatever we're facing, and knowing that the peace of God will be with us as we look at it and as we deal with it. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray in response to the word. Heavenly Father, we ask that we would be grateful uh, for the callings you've given to us, the vocations to which you've called us, that we can serve you where we are. You 
you change our lives spiritually, but that doesn't necessarily mean, as we were reminded here, that that we have to try to change those things that we can't, or trying to become things that we cannot be. Not that we can't move ahead, and or that we live fatalistically, or or that we live as if this is all that we can ever do. But Lord, when we face the, the challenges that come our way, the circumstances in which we find ourselves, may we be reminded and encouraged to know that we're not where we are accidentally, uh, fatalistically, uh, luckily. We are where we are because of you. And as we remember that, we remember too the calling to to see that you called us to be obedient then in that situation. Because what matters, Lord, is, is not what we can change from who we are uh, that we cannot change or change the past that we cannot change, but to be obedient to you where we find ourselves. Not to follow the, the philosophies of men and be servants of, 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 of the natural man who just is always worrying and griping and complaining because of where they're at. Lord, we're, we're not to be slaves of that person, but of the one to whom we belong, who bought us with a prize, Jesus Christ. So may we live in that regard, and may we live also knowing that we're not alone in these circumstances. We have the one who has promised never to leave us nor forsake us, and so we know that he will provide for our needs in accordance with the glorious riches that are in Christ. Thank you, Father, for your word to give us light on the lives we live. And it reminds us again how important it is for us to live body and soul and life and in death as those who believe that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.